Welcome to episode number three of the Managing Your Microsoft Digital Solution series. I'm your host, Andrew Walker, alongside David Crouch. David, how are you today? Andrew, I'm not too bad. I'm looking forward to getting back down and in, uh, into a fall program ac- of activities. Excellent. Well, it's good to be back after a few months off, and we do have a lot to talk about, and our regular Doug McLaughlin will stop by, and we also have a new guest on the show, Steve Ashenbrenner, and I'm looking forward to that. Yes, Andrew, we've got a full program, and that's why we've got uh, quite a few guests here as well. Just to tie in with our last podcast, the so-called spring release of Dynamics 365 is still dropping in place. Not all of the components are there yet. But this on this episode, we're going to be talking about an Underlook product uh, with Dynamics 365 portals. We're going to talk about a brand new product in uh, Microsoft Forms. We're going to analyze another component of what makes a digital solution and visit one more client project. Excellent. Well, without any further ado, let's get right to the news. And it appears that there was a lot of announcements coming from the Directions North America 2017 event held last week in Florida. And first item up, Microsoft plans to combine Dynamics Nav and the Business Edition of the Dynamics 365 Finance and Operations app in an upcoming offering dubbed Dynamics 365 Tenerife. Now, we've been researching and talking about Dynamics 365 Finance for quite some time. David, what does this all mean? Well, Andrew, I thought that this was a product starting from when it was called Madeira, yet another island in the Atlantic, whose direction, desired feature set, and intended audience weren't well understood by Microsoft. At one point, though, I thought they could get it right and it could be a winner, but we tried using it ourselves for for a number of months and there were certainly some shortcomings, but I'm not sure that this new announcement fixes the problems. It doesn't make things any clearer when Microsoft are also going on and then off of a white label vertical strategy based upon this new combination. Plus, it goes against the cloud-first strategy that they have because they're going to have an on-premises and online version in this new direction. I think the only thing we can say definitively for all you geography buffs is that we are getting further south in the Atlantic. When I take my annual trip to the Canaries this winter, I'll look to see if anything clearer has emerged. Wow, that does seem a little crazy. Now, our next news item is that Microsoft is planning to end its use of rigid business and enterprise editions of Dynamics 365, opting instead for a more flexible approach in the future that will encourage the development of composable applications using the suites apps. Now, Microsoft is planning to launch the Dynamics 365 small business sales app and Tenerife in the spring 2018 timeframe. While the marketing app does not yet have a planned release date, and David, haven't we been waiting for these new sales and marketing apps for quite some time? Andrew, indeed we have. I predicted back in the spring that these two apps would be way behind schedule, and I was right, despite taking some flack on Twitter for it. We signed up for the preview editions just uh, at the beginning of the summer, and they've been slow to arrive. Basically, the entire concept of the business edition is gone, and so is our podcast dedicated to it. I don't think we'll uh, even have another one, but it's put to bed now. Finance is now residing in Tenerife, and I think that the business model, as much as the software, is the problem for the new entry sales and marketing apps. Sales was basically shrinking the current sales app and making it easier to implement. I have absolutely no idea why this is taking so long. 
marketing I can understand completely because basically they're building a new app from scratch. But you know what? At this point, I'm confused. I couldn't tell you what's going to happen going forward. And as I said, I think it's more business model problems as much as software. Well, David, given all of this change of confusion, what are we recommending? Well, Andrew, you're right with the confusion. And let me qualify this by saying we are providing recommendations for the future. For instance, Great Plains was a good product in its time, but that time is well past. So for any of our customers or or prospects out there that are looking for a Microsoft ERP solution, we have two recommendations. Firstly, if you're relatively large, then Dynamics 365 for finance and operations, which is based on the old AX platform, is an excellent choice, and it competes very well with other large-scale ERP applications. Secondly, if you're a medium-sized organization, I would strongly recommend the MS Nav platform, which is a venerable pro. However, it is on-premise. So if you're looking for a cloud solution that Microsoft has nothing to offer right now for smaller organizations, maybe someday Tenerife or its successor, Cape Verde, even further south in the Atlantic, may give us a modern cloud-based ERP solution. If you're a small business looking for a CRM solution, the sales and customer service apps from the Enterprise Edition are available until next spring at a discounted rate. These are robust solutions with lots of new and exciting features that are highly recommended. The Enterprise Suite is the outstanding digital platform that we build most of our client solutions on, and we highly recommend it. However, we will have to wait to see what composable applications means for those who cannot afford the current licensing models. All right, thanks, David. That's the most recent Microsoft news, and it certainly means change. We'll be right back. Now we turn to our ongoing feature looking at the components of a digital solution and Microsoft among many others is emphasizing digital transformation. David, can you remind everybody what the four capabilities are that Microsoft is highlighting as part of the digital era? Well, Andrew, the four capabilities that Microsoft thinks are required by digital companies are as follows. The first one is engage your customers, which Doug and I covered uh, from our last podcast. The second one is optimize your op operations, which we'll get to in a, in a upcoming podcast, transform your products. And then our topic for this week, empower your employees. Perfect. So for this topic, we have a new contributor, Steve Ashenbrenner. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Why don't you give us a quick rundown on your background? Uh, well, I've been in CRM space now for about 20 years. And since then, I've been helping clients configure and customize their systems, as well as putting their processes into software applications. I'm essentially making the software work for the client and the way they want it to. Uh, I've gone through many different roles in my career, such as a programmer, report writer, trainer, solutions architect, and of course, always a support rep. I've always been in the role of helping clients make their technology work for them and can't wait for the next big technology to emerge. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you here. So David, why don't you kick things off? The concept of 
Empower your employees to me seems much larger than just digital strategy. Seems like an organizational management practice as well. 18 years ago, I worked with a guy called John Husband, who's sort of become mini famous, uh, coining the expression wirearchy. This connoted the tremendous organizational changes that technology would cause upending conventional hierarchies. I'm not sure that has really happened. So Steve, let's put you on the spot right away. How do you think that digital solutions can actually empower employees? Well, I think the first thing is uh, we're giving them rapid access to all the information and resources an employee needs. Uh, Of course, this means the technology needs to be easy to use and have an intuitive interface. This will help them do their job with the process and workload support access to business data, and access to the right communication and productivity tools. Plus, say, learning how to do their job and getting the feedback on how well they're doing. Steve, I think you've basically covered everything that I could think of, and very tersely. I guess when I think more about empowerment, I also think about decision-making. Now, that's where an organization's culture needs to support independent employee decision-making. Certainly, technology can help by providing 360-degree views of information to help an employee make a decision. So-called big data and AI can also make suggestions to employees on what to do. Anything else you can think of, Steve? I guess one other way of empowering people at at work is to provide technology that supports collaboration. Products such as Teams, Planner, Skype for Business, OneNote, and SharePoint help support people working together, exchanging ideas and information, asking questions, getting clarification, etc. Personally, I couldn't imagine doing what I do without these tools. Andrew, I put Steve on the spot. Now it's your turn. What could ITK do using technology to better empower you as an employee? Well, one thing I can think of is I want to be able to have programs that change the way I handle my work along with my peers. I remember talking with Elsa in the previous episode about how Staff Hub had changed the way we handle scheduling and timesheets. And in my personal opinion, that should have been released years ago when I worked in the restaurant industry. And now it has made planning and swapping shifts, requesting time off and communicating with fellow workers easier. So with a consulting service like ITK, I want to be able to have products that continue this trend and help me run my products, schedule and personal life, but digitally. So I guess we have a lot to think about. David, do you want to summarize? Once again, I think that the elements we have talked about have to do with integration, that all the technology pieces fit together easily. I think that this also brings up the concept of completeness, comprehensiveness. Steve said all the information and resources an employee needs. I think that often we don't cover everything for employees. And finally, I think that it needs to deal properly with accessibility, quickly available and easy to use. Excellent. Well, thank you, guys. That was an interesting discussion. And I'm sure we'll be talking to Steve again. So, Steve, thanks so much. And next up, our feature product review. Welcome back. We are now looking at our feature product review and we've reviewed Microsoft Teams and project services automation in the past two podcasts. But today we're going to be looking at Portal's products that comes with Dynamics 365. And first off, David, what is it and what does it do? Well, Andrew, the Portal's product is software Microsoft bought from ADX Studios just about two years ago. 
Basically, Portals provides web access to information and features within Dynamics 365 for a variety of external organizational stakeholders, such as customers, partners, and citizens in the case of the public sector. We are focusing today on the online software as a service product that comes bundled with any of the four apps in the customer engagement platform. So let's get right to it then. What is the bottom line? Buy, and I'm buying it big time. It is a hidden gem in my view, just waiting to be more widely used. On top of that, I think that it can actually be used for more than just portal purposes. It can actually be the web content management system for many organizations' public-facing websites. Wait a minute, how can that be? Well, Andrew, let me give you a broad view of the web products that are used to develop most websites. They break into four categories. Custom development using a wide variety of tools. Web builders, those are simple and powerful template-driven, easy-to-use products such as Squarespace, Wix, Webly. What I'll term primitive content management systems such as WordPress, Drupal, and Joomla. And finally, sophisticated content management systems such as Adobe Experience Manager, Sitecore, and Sitefinity. My proposition is that for many purposes and for many organizations using Dynamics 365 portals is much better than custom development and is probably more effective than using either web builders or primitive content management systems. Now, why is that? For the same reason that I think portals is a buy. My main criterion that drives this in almost all of my business rationales for IT decisions is integration. I might be starting to sound like a broken record, but having the integration of data Business processes, productivity, and communication tools just provides outstanding organizational advantage. Portals is built on and uses the Dynamics customer engagement platform. For instance, a former report created in the Dynamics can quickly be configured to reappear on the portal. All of your business entities can easily be exposed to stakeholders. The security model within Dynamics is used to control portal access etc. The list of integration points is very significant. The level of integration between other web software and CRM just isn't the same. Plus, when you add in other elements of a complete digital solution that Dynamics and Portals also integrate with, marketing automation through Click Dimensions, SharePoint, all of the other Office 365 products, I believe that this is just an unbeatable combination. But there is more. The Poros product features a lot of rich features, such as an easy-to-use WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get editing, that I find excellent to use, and web templates that designers can put in place for other website users. In addition, there are fairly easy ways of adding lots of splashier or more robust web elements. All of the data for the website is stored right in Dynamics. And finally, if you're a smaller organization, the great thing is that this all looks and feels the same as using Dynamics 365. That sounds pretty compelling. And how did we come up with this review? Well, ITK has been using ADX portals on a couple of client sites for the past year and a half. Now, this has been using the on-premises version, but we've developed some very good customer-oriented solutions using it. This summer, we decided to put together a model company showcasing some of the experience we have in the real estate and property management industry. We're putting together a demo system. The completed system is comprised of a website, a tenant and service provider portal, 
an administration intranet, and a property management system built in Dynamics 365. In the end, the software used was the Portals product with Dynamics 365 customer service app and SharePoint Online. Originally, we were going to build a website in WordPress, but we found that there were just too many add-ons to master and the integration with Dynamics 365 was poor. So we just let our developer loose using Angular, JS, CSS, HTML, and what he created astounded me. It was very attractive, fully functional, and somebody like myself could then use the editor to easily make changes to it. So can you give us an example of integration in the demo system? Sure. Here's a powerful example for a residential tenant. From our property management system, upcoming vacancies can be listed directly into the public-facing website. Potential renters can then browse through the vacancy and fill in an application online. All applications by suite are put into the Dynamics 365 in a queue, and a workflow is then kicked off to alert the property manager. Once a successful new tenant has been selected, the relevant leasing documents can be sent to them automatically for signature, and then all of the paperwork is stored in SharePoint. The render application automatically converts into a tenant, and the property system is updated accordingly. From there, the renter can access the web portal in order to do anything from update their static information, such as a telephone number, or request a variety of services, such as repair work. This was all very easy to put into place given the nature of the integration. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And I kind of wish my place had that service. So what are the weaknesses of Dynamics 365 portals? Andrew, the main weakness is that many of the features that were present in the ADX Studios version at the time of purchase, such as e-commerce and payment capabilities, have yet to make their way into the customer engagement platform. This platform is what Microsoft uses to have all of their software work on an online fashion. These features are going to show up over time and right now there's some workarounds that can be used. A second though lesser weakness is that it's somewhat fiddly to use in certain places and, and there's a few things that aren't consistent and occasionally you have to restart it periodically when you're making major changes. But I personally find WordPress much more tedious to use. So as David mentioned, ITK has been working with the Portals product for about a year and a half now, and Luke Odmanson joins us. Thanks for being here, Luke. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So any thoughts you have about the Portals? Yeah, uh, I've been really happy to work with it. I've been working with it since the jump, and I've noticed that Microsoft's made a lot of improvements along the way. So from a consultant's perspective, it's pretty exciting to marry my D365 skills with the customer-facing Portal. And it's rewarding to see the integration and I can see how much value it adds. Um, it's a product that I found clients are pretty intrigued by because web portals are something that we're all very used to. So would you agree with David on the buy perspective? I would, yeah. I agree that with David in a lot of senses. I agree that the bootstrap framework is quite powerful and the ease of adding JavaScript and CSS are, are fun to work with. And We've managed to make some pretty impressive portals and web pages from a UI perspective and from, uh, from a functionality standpoint. Something to mention as well, they've made it a lot easier and more accessible for their users. So as David mentioned, it comes with a subscription, but they've also made it a lot easier to set up. So you can spin up a basic portal in 
you know, in the morning. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I guess I should note, though, that the, the product isn't completely baked. There's some features of the old on-prem version that are missing. But as I mentioned, uh, they are improving the product, and I can see that they're committed to the portals. And that's something I'm pretty excited about. The issues that I'm looking forward to them addressing is the speed and the performance, as well as the quirks that David mentioned with restarting the portal. And I'd like to see those changes sooner than later. Uh, That said, I would definitely buy in as well. Excellent. So I guess we're two for two with the buy. Thanks so much, Luke. Thank you. And we're back with lessons from the front line, taking a look at experiences from one of our new client projects. David will be chatting Doug, who is in charge of this client. Welcome, Doug. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. It's a bit of a cloudy day here in Vancouver, but uh, we really can't complain. So, um, Andrew, we've just started on um, a couple of client engagements, as you know, over the summer. And one of them in particular that that uh, has been going for a couple of months now uh, is at a regulatory agency. And um, it's a multifaceted couple of year project that uh, they thought was about 80% going to be SharePoint work uh, with just a small amount of Dynamics 365. And to start things off, there were some proof of concepts and so on. But I think that uh, as they started working with Dynamics, they found some different things. So Doug, why don't you just uh, bring us up to speed on what's happened there for the first couple of months? Yeah, it's been really interesting, David. You know, this client has been using a SharePoint 2010 solution to do a combination of document management and record keeping and workflow all around some compliance processes. And um, their systems worked pretty well for them. Uh, they've run into some challenges and the system's feeling a little uh, a little stale and it hasn't been upgraded in a while. And that's one of the reasons they called us in is that... Um, they wanted to upgrade that solution. So their mindset was, you know, we have this solution in SharePoint. It is a document, you know, heavy uh, system in terms of, you know, needing document management capabilities, but there's quite a bit of workflow, record keeping, um, you know, need for security and access control. And uh, their view was, you know, we just need the latest and greatest version of SharePoint and uh, we'll use Dynamics uh, for, you know, traditional CRM things, right? Contact management, activity management. They are not really a, a sales organization per se, but they, you know, they have a lot of, um, you know, contacts that they need to manage. So that was the original thinking. And, um, you know, we got in there and we found out that, uh, you know, there, there was a number of things that we needed to have them rethink. And some of that was caused, I think we did it, to, to start with, we did a small Dynamics 365 proof of concept because we felt that it could actually be used uh, more extensively. As you say, many people think of Dynamics still as CRM and it's only for sales organizations. So uh, tell me how that uh, little proof of concept went. Yeah, they, they had a, you know, a process which was effectively a case management uh, process, you know, a customer service type of scenario. And this was a completely manual process in the past. You know, they were tracking calls in spreadsheets. It's a, a very small department, but um, they were interested in sort of seeing how Dynamics could, could help them. And so, you know, we did a couple of workshops with the business folks and went through the requirements for, you know, uh, doing the case management in this situation. And it became pretty apparent that this was going to work very well. And they started to see 
that uh, some of the things we were doing, you know, had applicability into the larger, uh, you know, regulatory processes that that uh, that this organization is is primarily about. Uh, so it was an eye opener for them, and it sort of confirmed our initial suspicion that there was a lot of um, a lot of use cases here that were a good fit for Dynamics. Yeah, and and what what were the nature of those use cases? Well, you know, there's there's definitely a, a document management piece here, which makes sense for SharePoint, and that's you know I think what, why they were looking at it. But a lot of what they were doing in SharePoint was using it, you know, basically as a, a you know a makeshift relational database, um, you know, something that Dynamics is is very good at, and SharePoint can do. I mean, SharePoint's strength is. Uh, mostly in you know flatter flatter lists of records. When you start to get into um, the kinds of relationship management that Dynamics is good at, it starts to break down a little bit in my in my opinion. So so some of the use cases they're looking at are the ability to keep track of contacts in all sorts of different scenarios because they have a lot of compliance processes. There's a lot of stakeholders, and in some ways this is a bit of a stakeholder management system. So there's the need to keep track of uh, you know various people uh, against various pieces of work. There's a lot of workflow and business process uh, work, moving things through approval processes and review processes. There is a need for some security and access control, uh, you know, on different record types, etc. So there's a lot of things that are very, you know, good. They're strengths of Dynamics. Yeah, I think that's what we're finding at um, several different clients now is that uh, oftentimes uh, SharePoint has been used kind of as a one tool to do everything, whereas things like workflows and notifications and security are much easier and more robust in Dynamics. Yeah, that's our finding is that, you know, all those things can be done in SharePoint. And if you've had SharePoint in your organization for a long time or that was the tool set you you had, it made sense in a lot of cases to do that. But if you already um, are using Dynamics in other areas of your organization or if you're adding it into your organization, I think it makes sense to take a good hard look at how you're using SharePoint, what you're using it for, and what workloads make make better sense in Dynamics and really how the two uh, can be used together because they they really do um, present a pretty compelling solution when they're used together. And I think uh, the third thing to be added in here, and I know we're probably a year away from it at this particular client, but is actually marrying up a portal with Dynamics and with SharePoint so that you get the the stakeholders being able to directly interact with Dynamics and therefore the, the workflows and the notific- notifications go through there, but all the document storage is, is being done in SharePoint. Is that the way you see it going there? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's sort of both front, what I'd call front end and back end, um, you know, applicability for a portal. There's submission processes where documents are coming in from outside the organization, um, and there needs to be easy ways to submit those. And usually, there needs to be some forms filled out or some metadata submitted with those documents. And then they they go into various workflow, you know, pipelines where there's document uh, reviews, approvals. Sometimes there's documents that have to be uh, redacted. And then output is put back onto the web um, for consumption, you know, by the public or by various stakeholder groups. So Portal has a huge uh, opportunity for improving their workflow here. You know, a lot of that stuff has to be done manually right now, you know, through sort of traditional website content management and it's very work intensive yeah and, and I think both at this client and another client that we have where we've done 
uh, similar kinds of work, uh, we're seeing that that combination of portals, Dynamics 365, and uh, and SharePoint all combined for for any businesses that are doing, as you say, process intensive and then document intensive business functions. Yeah, that's exactly right, and they they all play together, you know, and, and provide such a compelling solution. I think the more we work with sort of those three together, the more compelling use cases we're finding for them. Welcome back. Now it's time for our mini reviews. In this uh, segment, we look at lots of the smaller software that Microsoft just keeps coming out with. For this particular podcast, we're looking at Microsoft Forms, and we've sent our fearless reporter, Andrew Walker, off to play around with it and see what he comes up with. First off, Andrew, what's your bottom line and what's your main reasons for it? Well, it's a buy for me. This product is really easy to use, and you can create quizzes or surveys from scratch. Even if you're new to Office 365, it doesn't take hours and hours and hours to learn and execute like some of the other ones. So it's a definite buy for me. That's great. Now, what do you see as its uh, four or five key strengths then? Well, my key strengths, I love how you have options to add a subtitle for hints to any of the questions you have for the quiz, even ones to say... For if you're a teacher, if you want them to show your work. Uh, you can also add points for a total score on the quiz. You can add messages to the correct answer when a recipient answers the right one. As well, I'm also loving the preview mode that also shows what it looks like not just on a laptop, but on your mobile device and tablet. And you can also control who has access, whether you want it to be public for everybody to do a survey or private, just if you want only your certain employees to do them. So there must be a couple of uh, shortcomings. What do you think they are? Well, the only thing I found with some of the quizzes is that if you get a wrong answer, the right one will show up. But as an admin, you can't show the recipient an explanation of the right answer. And with the themes, I had some trouble with that. There's really limited color choice if you want to make it look creative, whether it could be a quiz or a survey form. I'm not really the biggest fan on some of the backgrounds they have with their Microsoft templates, and I had the most trouble with uploading an image using the image search Bing function where every time my computer froze, so I had to restart and then redo the quiz all over again. So your really only option is to upload an image that is from your desktop computer and then import it into your quiz or your form. Sure, gotcha. Now, I know as a part of a school and a university, you've had uh, experiences with uh, Google Forms. How do you think Microsoft Forms compares to them? Well, I did use Google Quizzes and Forms throughout university, but I found that in some ways, both of them are similar. But the fact that I'm able to just learn it, how to use a quiz in a few minutes rather than taking over an hour to familiarize myself with it, that's just a big benefit because I'm not one to spending hours and hours trying to just create something that's simple. Whereas here with forms and quizzes through Microsoft Forms, it's just simple. Yeah, I also looked at it. I mean, Andrew's experience is coming from uh school and, and education. I was looking at it more from a business standpoint. Uh, uh, we have used SurveyMonkey in the past and uh, we use another product, uh, um, although we use less of it now, uh, Profs. Um, and I found Microsoft Forms was just much easier. In less than a half an hour, I was up and running with forms, with quizzes. Uh, it's conditional branching, just works. 
Uh, you can do all sorts of little variations. Uh, I found that you could actually do, say, uh, small surveys easily by actually uh, clipping in videos and asking people about them, etc. I found it very powerful. One of the things I think we're seeing, Andrew, uh, with this and, of course, uh, from our last podcast, Staff Hub, is that Microsoft's coming out with these new products and they're simple and easy to use. They might not have every feature you want, but they just work. So to recap, both Andrew and I think that Microsoft Forms is a buy. It's available right now as part of the Office for Education bundles, which is great for instructors, teachers, and professors. It's also available right now in public preview mode for almost all of the commercial licenses. For instance, though, with Business Essentials, which is a very cheap license, uh, you can you can get this and, and a whole bunch of other things uh, right in there. There are lots of other survey tools. Usually they're what I call single purpose survey tools, but this is so easy to use and it's just part of the ever-growing Microsoft Office toolkit. So to me, I would use this over anything else unless your job or your business entails detailed and complex questionnaire construction. And that's it for mini reviews for this particular podcast. Once again, to wrap up another jam-packed podcast is David with The Final Thought. I'm entitling this editorial, The Devil is Always in the Detail. We, like so many Microsoft partners, are great believers in Microsoft products and their vision of the future. Their view of digital transformation based upon real integration, embedded productivity communications and collaboration, completeness of business man management functions, and built-in business intelligence is second to no other firm. I don't see any other IT vendor with this vision, let alone the product line that can possibly ever deliver on it. Consider integration. I read other commentators who mix up the ability and capability to integration with existing integration. Much of the Microsoft Dynamics line is already integrated. As an example, entities that shared across applications through flow through to the portal, are easily flowing into Excel and Word documents. Emails and documents are added to records with a click of the button, virtually out of the box, etc. There's much left to be done to complete this vision, and completeness is an important criteria in today's digital world. I would say three more years at least, but there's going to be steady progress towards it with so many exciting new things along the way. However, and this is a big however, Microsoft is misfiring on their execution of this vision. This is causing issues for partners, customers, and prospects. It pains me to even talk about this, as I'm meant to be out there getting customers and prospects excited about all things Microsoft. Nevertheless, software isn't delivered on time, or sometimes it is delivered on time, or it's too specification, or maybe it's not. And of course, the documentation and training are never part of the original or the initial package. Some of the products and features are great, some of them are so-so, and some of them aren't going to go anywhere. Licensing models are in more flux than they should be. Their internal organization has just been restructured, and I'm not sure how well all the pieces have landed. Some of the news items at the top of this podcast demonstrate that sometimes it just seems to us like they're making this up on the fly. Don't they have a head office group that coherently thinks through all of the implications of where they're going. At times, they seem to announce things just for the sake of announcing things. They really could take a leaf from Apple, whose recent fall announcement went down pretty well, and they seem to have product delivery also mostly done well. 
By the way, it seems odd to me that I've spent 35 years in my career talking about these two companies, and I would have never thought that they would have ended up as the number one and number three largest companies in the world by market capitalization. Anyway, back to Microsoft and the devil in the detail. I probably should be happy with this state of affairs. After all, the purpose of this podcast and our blogs is to help inform and educate customers and prospects, not other Microsoft partners, about our experiences and knowledge of the Microsoft business product lines, to provide important and timely advice, to make actionable recommendations. Unfortunately, our advice right now is from Microsoft. Slow down. Get it right, because the devil is in the detail, which cannot always be worked out on the fly. Well, that does it for another action-packed edition of the Managing Your Microsoft Digital Solution podcast. And a big thanks to our new contributors, Steve Ashenbrenner and Luke Ogmanson for stopping by, and to Doug McLaughlin for his take. Be sure to check out our summary blog online at itk-d365.com, plus our main website at itk-inc.com. I'm Andrew Walker alongside David Crouch, and you are in the know. Thanks for listening.